Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Uh, <laughs> got a, we got a text. I uh, won't say who sent it, but said, uh, cops should go shut down all the meth labs in Boyd this weekend uh, while they're out of town for the state championship. Team. So Nothing like a little small town smack talk, Craig. That texture has yeah. been on one today. He might he might get into the Hall of Fame on fire. after today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I do, I got a couple of notes, Craig. Before you get to this baseball audio, actually, yeah, absolutely. Before I do that, John in the Bay wants to know, and I, I imagine you'll see him at some point this weekend. So, what time is the workout over at Sunken Diamond today? He said I may have to slide over there. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's one to two fifteen. John, John also uh, yesterday said, uh, "Where are we doing the show today?" Uh, John, it's in the comfortable confines of my hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. We don't have access to the ballpark to do the show for the ball. It wasn't like a uh, like what I had last week in Coral Gables, where I was able to do some of that. So, uh, no, I'm in I'm in the home hotel room today uh, to do that. But uh, I'm pretty certain the practice is from one to two fifteen local time. And um, come by and say hi. Now I, I'll be in and out of the press box. Uh, I've got to, you know, I'll be setting up equipment and testing some things and, and stuff like that. And obviously watching the practice as well. Uh, but, uh, I've met John before and always in, 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 I think I met John, he, uh, came down to, uh, uh, came down to Maples Pavilion when the Texas women played Stanford in basketball a few years ago. I think that's where I met John. So yeah, come on, come on down, John. Um, and, and say hi. Um, oh, okay. Uh, did, did you have a couple other notes, Jeff? Did yeah. I want to go ahead and get yes. a few things out of the way. Yes. Uh, men's basketball note. I'd heard about this a couple of days ago, and the Texas source has said there there could be something maybe potentially. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Craig. We saw LaMarcus at the introductory press conference that Rodney Terry had back in March. Yes. Uh Source tells Horns 24-7, LaMarcus Aldridge has reached out to Rodney Terry, talked about joining the staff as a special assistant. Those special assistant positions have not been announced yet, but apparently LaMarcus Aldridge is at least interested in one, and according to a source, quote, he has talked to us about wanting to coach. So just file that away. Nothing done yet, nothing imminent, but uh, there is maybe a little something there. Of course, LaMarcus is retired now uh, and, and loves Texas, loves RT, so... Maybe no better been around way to, the program quite a bit in the last year. Yeah, maybe no better way to get his feet wet uh, in the coaching realm than to do it uh, on Rodney Terry's staff. And I think what you've got, you know, we talk about it all the time with the staff. You know, Chris Ogden has been a head coach. Frank Haith has been a head coach at the Division One level. Steve McLean's been a head coach. So you've got yep. a lot of really good experience on the staff. Guys that have been at multiple parts of the country, different conferences. Uh, it can be really good for Lamarcus to learn. And then especially, you know, if he can get in there this year, Craig, with the type of front court talent. That Texas has. We talked about this yesterday with Caden Shedrick, Dylan DeSue, uh, Dylan Mitchell coming back for another year. Uh, I, there are worse guys you could learn from how to operate in the front court at a really high level than LaMarcus Aldridge, seven-time All-Star, a really, really good NBA career. By the way, Craig, did you, you remember uh, how LaMarcus Aldridge got to Portland where he spent the, the bulk of his career? Uh, you know what I remember about that? And, and and let me say this, but before I mention this, uh, the guy you're talking about is a grade A top end individual, great guy, um, and uh, 
and and watched him play quite a bit at Seagaville in mm-hmm. high school, which is in the southeast Dallas County, and uh, just just golden dude, just a great guy. When he was at Texas, the two seasons at Texas, and then and then of course since he's been in the NBA, and he, he's one of the guys. And I have found that uh, over the years that several of the guys who who played for Rick Barnes at Texas have uh, not only have given back to the school, but really, as you just pointed out so astutely, love coming back and being around the program. P.J. Tucker, who still has an active career, and when he gets an opportunity, comes by. Kevin Durant, obviously, uh, it comes by, and, and LaMarcus as well. Great, uh, great guy. But the thing that I remember, Jeff, about LaMarcus Aldridge and uh, winding up in Portland, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, this would have been in 2006, I guess. Yep. Uh, and uh, I was uh, when the the draft always happens in late June, and the night of the NBA draft in 2006, I had both of my sons with me, and we had driven into the mountains in Virginia, and uh, to do camping and hiking on the Appalachian Trail. Uh, for for a couple of days before meeting up uh, with uh, Laurie and with my daughters down to spend our you know time at the beach, uh, the annual sabbatical, but and they were going to fly in, but we drove, and so we were camping up in the mountains, and we and uh, you know you start winding around in the mountains, and even if you have satellite radio, it's gonna it's gonna drop out a lot of times, but for some reason, and it had dropped out, we got to this area in some real. Uh, the higher ground area, even though it was still heavily wooded in the Jefferson National Forest, we had stopped and we had our campsite and we were setting up uh, our tents and and setting up to, to cook dinner and all this sort of stuff. And I just happened to bump my radio and it turned on and it landed on coverage of the NBA draft. And it was right before they announced LaMarcus Aldridge and uh, the being drafted in the draft day trade going to Portland, if, if memory serves. Yes, he was drafted by the Bulls, had his rights traded to yep. Portland for the draft rights of Tyrus Thomas. It was a blast from the past. Wow. Who had just, along with the rest of his LSU teammates, Big Baby had, Davis, had, yeah, had uh, uh, eliminated Texas in the Elite Eight only – Three months earlier, Garrett Temple. Uh, was, Garrett Atlanta. Temple was on that LSU team, was he not? He was. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was. Yeah, and and they had just beaten Texas in the Elite Eight in Atlanta, uh, which was two nights after the Kenton Polino shot to beat West Virginia in the Sweet Sixteen, and uh, that was yeah. LSU had had eliminated Texas, and then uh, they both go into the draft. But I just I, I just remember bumping my radio. Uh, because I think I had the ignition switch turned on just to have some light, and I bumped the radio and it came on, and they said, okay, now it's to the Chicago Bulls, and they announced, I said, hey, LaMarcus just got drafted, and then they said, I believe this is going to be part of a uh, trade, because, you know, the NBA does that weird deal where they, yeah. you know. You can't trade your picks in back-to-back years, but you can pick and then trade yeah. the pick thereafter, yeah. or yeah. it can be lottery protected or whatever. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, and there's salary cap things and stuff like that. Yeah, so there it is with LaMarcus. And a couple of things I want to set up for next week, Craig. Uh, Pro Football Focus is ranking the top returning offensive lines in college football. Can you take a wild guess where PFF has Texas? 
Uh, Ranking the top ten offensive lines returning in college football. PFF has the Texas offensive line as the third best returning offensive line in the country for 2023. Wow. I'm not ready to go there yet with that line, but we'll get into that on Monday. Also, we love our preseason magazines, and one of my favorite features in a preseason magazine is when Athlon Sports gets the take of anonymous head coaches to talk about other opponents. We'll get into it on Monday, what an anonymous head coach said about Texas. And for the first time in a long time, Craig, not a lot of negative said in this anonymous report really? about the Longhorns. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. So we'll get into uh, that a little bit next week. but Because uh, I know we've got a little baseball audio you want to get to. Yep. Okay. All right. Just a couple of things here. Um, you know, here, the, the, like I said, the Longhorns had the workout at Archbishop Mitty. We were out there yesterday uh, for that. And uh, they <laughs> they uh, will have their uh, on-field practice for the Super Regionals. Speaking of Super Regionals, Duke has just taken a 2 nothing lead in the top half of the third inning. Uh, and uh, they've done it on a two-run homer. So, a, uh, so the Blue Devils have just jumped to a 2 nothing lead on the number – seven nationally seeded Virginia Cavaliers, and they did it on a uh, two-run homer, uh, and the uh, two-run homer came off the bat of Damon Lux. I don't know if he's related to Gavin Lux, the Dodgers injured second baseman, but uh, Damon Lux with a two-run homer to give the Cavs a two-nothing, or give the Blue Devils a two-nothing lead over the Cavaliers. There in a second. All right, so the the Longhorns have uh, their team practice today on the field. Of course, the Super Regional out here starts tomorrow. Texas, obviously, uh, will be uh, an underdog uh, again. And, uh, you know, and, and Jeff, I think – I can't remember if we talked about this the other day, but I know you uh, have the appreciation for the history of the stuff too. You realize this is the first time – since the advent of the 64-team field and the Super Regional concept, which began in 1999, this is the first time the University of Texas has ever played both a regional and a Super Regional on the road. It's never happened. They've, yeah. They've, they've never done it. And I think I think for Texas baseball fans, and, and one thing I appreciate about this baseball program is that, you know the fans that follow it follow it very intently or very passionate yes, about it. I think if you polled Texas fans, hey, you're going to go on the road for the regional and the super regional. Where do you want to follow this team? You could pick a lot worse spots than Coral Gables and Palo Alto. Yep. With those two historic brands, Miami and Stanford. Are you saying that that you could be in Hattiesburg? Is that what you're saying? Uh, you could you could be in Hattiesburg. You could, you could be in a lot worse places. But uh, yeah. to me, it's it's more about just you know Miami, because it's been so long. You know, I, right. me growing up having watched it, I know how good of a baseball program Miami is, and that Stanford brand. Gosh, how long was Mark Marquis there? 30, 30 years, however long he was there, yeah. uh, won a national championship. That that brand kind of speaks for itself. And the fact that, you know, really, even through David Pierce's first couple of years, they still played each other in that. You know, mm-hmm. some of those were some of those were marathon four game weekend series, but uh, it was nice to see that rivalry, that non conference series continue between those two. Yeah, good good friends for for many years, Augie Garrido and uh, and Mark Marquis, and David Esker, who had been on his staff for a long time for Coach Marquis, and they won back to back titles in eighty seven and eighty eight. Um, then went to Cal and then came back from Cal, so uh, he's done a marvelous job 
with this team. So, yeah, the Longhorns obviously will be an underdog. They were when they went to the nine seed in Coral Gables and beat Miami. Now they play the number eight seed on the road, an outstanding Stanford team. But if you talk to the guys, they're very loose, very relaxed, uh, affable, and confident. And, uh, you know, uh, Dylan Campbell, one of those guys that that says, you know, they, they still haven't played their best baseball, and they're, they're still trying to get there to do that. Yeah, I still don't think we're there yet. Um, I mean, a lot of people picked Miami to come out of the regional, um, and we ended up coming out. So I think we just go into this weekend with that same mindset of as we're the underdogs, and kind of feels weird to say that, uh, you know, playing here. Um, but I think we are going into this weekend, so we just got to stick with ourselves and stay with our teammates and just uh, keep going, keep grinding it out. Yeah, they're just real kind of relaxed about it. The other interesting story, one of these interesting stories, and Jeff is a guy who's covered the program all season long, you know of the trials and tribulations of one Mitchell Daly. And how here's a guy who has started in two college World Series and a third-year returning starter. And it has been a struggle at times for for him this year, so much so, in fact, that he actually lost his starting job uh, for a time. Jalen Flores went into short. And uh, and then when you had the problem with uh, uh, with with Peyton Powell having that uh, rib injury, uh, Flores moved over to third, and Daly was back in it short. And also the other thing that that factored into this was in the West Virginia series at the end of that with uh, uh, with Tanner Carlson breaking his arm. So then the necessity was really there with Flores DHing. And once Peyton Powell came back and Flores moving Flores to the DH and Daly back into the starting lineup at shortstop and both have prospered, both have flourished. Flores had a, uh, was the all regional DH and of course had the grand slam and the uh, series clinching the, the regional series clinching win on Sunday night. And Daly had the big home run to tie the score in the Friday afternoon game a week ago today against Louisiana, had another extra base hit, a couple more hits in the weekend. So when Daly was talking about it and asked about the deal, how did you deal with all that, losing your starting job, it reminded me, and you'll hear him kind of say this, it reminded me of something that David Pierce told me when he first had to have the conversation with Mitchell Daly because Coach Pierce, if nothing else, is – upfront and direct and honest with his guys about what where their status is and always encourages them as well. If you have a question about something and you don't understand something about where you're playing or why this or whatever, let me know. And he had the conversation with Daly. And uh, when he told him that he was going to move uh, Flores to shortstop at first, he said Mitchell's reaction and response was to say, okay. And he, he said, you understand? He said, yeah, I understand. I got to get better. I got to get better. And he just kept working at it and all that sort of thing. And you'll hear that reflected in here when Daly was asked about his mindset transitioning through the difficulty of losing his starting job. I just kind of took it as a challenge for myself, you know, to, to try to do whatever I could uh, to help the team win, you know, trying to come here to the field, you know, not make it about myself and just try to get better, you know. And there are obviously reasons why I wasn't playing, you know, and I just – took that say hey I need to get better you know and so having that mindset kind of made it easier and you know my teammates really picked me up too and really uh gave me that motive that motivation to keep keep working and seeing everybody you know coming with come to the field with a smile on their face and a good attitude yeah it's always a big part of it attitude 
and he said having a good attitude and and his teammates as well Jeff and you've been around this team so you've seen how they are and they they this you know every year it seems like I say this uh, about how the team is really close-knit and all that sort of stuff but that's how it is with winning teams you're not going to get to the sweet 16 in this case super regional level uh, which is basically college baseball's version of the sweet 16 you're not going to get there uh, unless you and unless you do have a, a close-knit group and and to be around them and see how they work together and all that it, it makes sense when you consider it in the final analysis I mean you know, you think about the Texas teams that we've seen make postseason runs, and we talked about this during basketball season. You're going to need a guy like Mitchell Daly, and you did in the regional, to come through and give you a big at-bat, or if somebody's not feeling well, you know, give you a couple of innings in the field and make a couple of defensive plays. Yeah, I can remember in, in Omaha, one of those elimination games, it might have been the one they won against Vanderbilt, Craig. I don't know if I've slept since then. You know, Casey Clemens is hitting like a buck forty-three. And, and comes through with a really big RBI base hit up the middle. You know, guys that are going to hit further down the lineup, guys that might not have the best numbers. It, it it takes a it takes a collective group to to try to put this thing together to be the last team standing in Omaha. Now I know they've got to get through Stanford first before you think about any of that other stuff. But you know whether it's whether it's Mitchell Daly or, or any of those bullpen hands. You know, especially now that we know for sure I'm, the staff is known, but now in Gen Pop we know that David Shaw and Heston Toll are not going to be a part of this thing. Uh, you know, you you probably gonna need Ace Whitehead to to give yep. you something on the mound this weekend. You know, we we saw Zane Morehouse last weekend. Uh, we've seen a, a, just a couple other guys out of the bullpen, but uh, you know, you you might need you might need something from Chase Loomis. You might need uh, Kobe Minch. You might need to give you an inning. You know, it, it's it's it takes a not just everybody being bought in, but it, it takes every guy on that roster giving you something to get through to the end and get this done. I saw Boogie's parents. I saw Ace Whitehead's parents uh, at one point down in South Florida, and I said, "Hey, you better be ready." He said, "He he said he's estimated he's thrown 80 pitches in the bullpen over the course of three days, <laughs> so he'll be ready if the time goes." Oh, and 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 he had one of those home runs I mentioned yesterday. Batting practice drove it out uh, to Rogersville. But you're correct. the The bottom of the order there: uh, Jalen Flores, Jack O'Dowd, Mitchell Daly. All three were factors in the regional wins, and all three may well have to be factors this time around as well. All right. Uh, I don't, we'll know, be I don't to... know, but if you go back and look at the Big 12 tournament, Craig, Jack O'Dowd's about the only one who swung anything resembling a consistent bat in Arlington. I'll, I'll look yes. it up. I, I wonder what Jack's hitting during the postseason right now. Well, I'll see if I've got it here. He's had a, he's had yeah, a really I... productive postseason. Yeah. Uh, uh, he hit 571 in the Big 12 tournament. That I know. He, he he did do that. He was he was like you said the only guy who really hit it consistency uh, consistently. 